Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Welcome to the podcast. We have a very special guest today, Terry Anzer, who is an accomplished 30-year veteran of broadcast television as not only a reporter, but an anchor at some major markets. And Terry, welcome to our podcast. Hi, Craig. It's great to be here. Now, what the people don't know that are listening today is that Terry and I met in a place that nobody, repeat nobody, is going to be able to figure out uh, where. It was in Vietnam at the Melia Hotel, Melia Hotel, and I was there to consult and do training for Vietnam television, and so was Terry. And we, she was in the coffee shop or the, the dining area with her uh, son, and I looked over at my table and I thought, I recognize that woman. I, I know I know her. And uh, I don't know if I came over to you, Terry, or you were walking by and I stood up and said, hi, we had a little five minute chat. And now uh, a few years later, here we are uh, in North America doing the podcast. So you know what? It's a small world wherever you bump into each other. Well, yes, it's, uh, it, it's amazing that we've kept in touch and, uh, you know, continue to do training all over the world and we continue to cross paths with each other. Exactly. Just so you know, Terry uh, worked at a number of major stations in America as an anchor and as a reporter, WCBS in New York and KCBS uh, in Los Angeles. Both of those are called O&Os. Those are owned and operated stations that are owned by uh, major, the major network CBS, which used to be my employer uh, with The Amazing Race uh, a few years back. So in a way, uh, we're both CBS people in different ways. I'm in the reality TV part. She was in the news part. Now you have a coaching service and you uh, give tips and help the talent and uh, help to, uh, to coach on-air people. Talk about that a little bit. Well, after my uh, last TV news anchoring job came to an end in West Palm Beach, I decided that I wanted to follow up on my love of teaching. I was, uh, during the time I was at KCBS and KTLA in Los Angeles, I was also teaching part-time and then full-time tenure track at the University of Southern California Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. So I developed a method of teaching on-air talent to improve their skills and do their jobs better. And I was always the person in the newsroom that had a line of interns around my de desk because I would help them. And so I, uh, I took this system and decided to uh, hang out my shingle as an on-air talent coach. And uh, I was fortunate to be backed up by one of the top um, consulting firms right away. And so my little one woman business was born and I was doing that. I was teaching on-air talent when I met you at uh, VTV in Vietnam. Interesting. Is it difficult uh, to work with on-air talent? Um, what, what are the challenges? The people that come to me are very realistic about their skills. They will come to me and they'll say, I've been told I need to improve my voice or I need to improve my writing and my storytelling. And so they come to me because they want the coaching. 
or their station, my bread and butter is going into a station and working with everybody from the most experienced veteran anchor to the newest one-man band multimedia journalist and bringing them all up a notch. I can't take a raw beginner and make them Anderson Cooper, but I can take almost everybody who really wants to learn to the next level. And then we just keep building on that. Um, I'm very blessed to say that I can hardly turn on television now in a major TV market or at the network level and not see somebody that I have coached somewhere along the way. That must be really gratifying, yeah? You don't want to watch the news with me because I'm telling you, screaming, how could she wear that blouse? Or, oh my, he needs a haircut. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. But um, all of the people that I teach become my kids forever. And among them, I'm very blessed to say that I can count some people in the faith-based media community. Um, I was asked, asked to coach a worldwide religious network, and that presented some interesting challenges as well. What kind of challenges? Well, <laughs> number one, many of the people I was asked to teach were preachers. And they were very effective in walking into a, a church or wherever they happened to be interacting with people and commanding the room and literally talking to the back row of the room, the last pew in the church. When you take that and try to put it into the, in, the intimate medium of television, it's weird. And so one of the things we did in coaching was to talk about preaching to the congregation one person at a time, projecting your energy level to the back row, but not projecting your voice that far. You don't want to come across like yelling into the microphone. And realistically, when you have a microphone on or when you're holding a microphone, it's only 10 inches from your mouth. You're only projecting your voice 10 inches in front of your face. So visualize your best friend, your favorite person in the world, standing 10 inches in front of your face. And that's the level you want to talk at not the level that you would talk as if you were trying to fill up the entire room with your voice. When you were talking about uh, preachers that are very, very good at walking into a room, a, a church auditorium, sanctuary, or wherever, and giving uh, and being able to speak to an, a live audience, it made me think of, it's almost like the challenge that you would have, Terry, of taking a stage actor that is used to I hate to use the word perform, but but being on a stage and, and performing for a live audience, uh, a live event, and trying to have that person who's trying to speak to the back row uh, be able to then go to the intimacy of television with a camera that's not very far away. It, it's somewhat similar. Mm -hmm. And then with the news people, very often the young ones coming up think it's all about reading what's in the prompter. And increasingly, as we demand a more and more authentic performance from our newscasters, especially now that we're seeing them in their homes as well as in the studio, you don't want anything that comes across like a robot reading a teleprompter. So we're trying to interact more with the technology. If you think about someone like John King on CNN interacting with that magic map 
and moving all of the, the vote count and everything around. What is he doing? He's turning his back to the prompter, interacting with the graphics and telling me a story. So this means the job is no longer about reading words nicely, sitting behind a desk and looking at the teleprompter. It's about being an authentic communicator who really knows their subject matter and can communicate that to the audience as if they were talking to a friend. And what John King uh, would be doing is show and tell. Uh, exactly. he's, he's, he's touching uh, the maps and the states and going all the way down to the counties, whether they're red or blue and the, count, the counts and percentages and such. That's really good. Really enjoying talking to Terry Anzer. Great stories too and wisdom. We'll be back after this message. This podcast features engaging conversations with leaders, artists, and creatives sharing about current trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. Today's episode is produced by Matchstick Media International, a nonprofit that's passionate about inspiring both visionary leaders and young creatives to harness the power of media to further the gospel. To learn more, visit us at matchstickmedia.org. Now, back to Craig. Now we continue with Terry Anzer. We have right now um, in, in America, especially, but across the world as well, lots and lots of churches have turned to live streaming for the very first time. And a lot of it really, uh, for me as a professional, is challenging to watch because <laughs> many, many times they've just set up a camera. I've literally seen a camera in a balcony. Uh, I had uh, a, a pastor want to, to purchase a security camera that he could put on the side of the wall and be able robotically to just put it over there because he did not want a camera in the middle island, uh, main island, uh, aisle, excuse me, of, uh, of his church. It was just anathema to him. Do not put that camera anywhere close to, uh, to the front of the church. When you look, when you're looking at live streaming these days, Terry, and, and if, if that's if you do that, uh, social media especially, are there any things that you, any things, uh, any tips they could give to pastors and church leaders um, that would help them in their live stream approach and presentation? Well, the first thing I would say is what we've already talked about: realizing that you are communicating with the audience one person at a time through your main camera. So embrace that camera in the middle row of, of the venue. Um, don't be shouting to a camera that, as you say, is up on a balcony or in the back of the room. Embrace that camera as if it was the person you need to reach with your message of the day. Number two, identify the story that you're telling. And this is a great lesson to teach in the faith-based arena because we all want to be like Jesus, the greatest story ever told anyway. But he taught us through his parables, and they always have the same structure. There's a crisis, there's a conflict, and there's a resolution. In script writing, that's act one, act two, act three. In journalism, you can have who, what, when, where, why, but if you don't have crisis, conflict, and resolution, your story is boring. So, for example, Jesus went to the wedding feast at Cana, and they ran out of wine. Oh no, there's a crisis. What are we going to do? Are we going to go to the store and buy some more? Are we going to serve something else? No, we'll just have faith, and Jesus will turn the water into the wine. So the resolution is faith. The resolution is God. And so um, 
that's the example that we have. So if you're not telling your audience a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, once upon a time, something happened, and they all lived happily ever after, and in news, we don't very often have happily ever after. Maybe right. it's tune in next week or see you next Sunday and we'll tell you more. But uh, you have to know that story because if you, especially in today's short attention span world, if you don't draw your audience in with a story, it doesn't matter how good your voice is, how great your wardrobe is, um, how great the audio and the video is. If you don't have a story, you don't know what you're doing. And then once we get those two things under control, the third thing we do is eliminate any distractions, anything that will divert the audience away from your message. If it's, you know, bling or a, a very loud print jacket or dress, um, a, a, a hairstyle that's distracting and doesn't frame your face. Um, anything in terms of uh, body language. Um, I, I found that sometimes very effective preachers get out from behind the pulpit and pace around, but that in itself can be distracting. You want to, especially when you're delivering the key parts of your message, you want to stand your ground and hammer it home to the camera. So these are all the things we work on in coaching. And, um, you know, I can't wave a magic wand and make people do it. It's like an athlete. You have to have reps. And so we, we just keep trying and making a video and watching and critiquing and then trying again. Excellent advice. Um, I, I know, obviously, we met in Vietnam and you were uh, consulting there, as was I. But you've done a lot of consulting internationally, haven't you? Yes, my first consulting job was in the country of Maldives. And oh my, oh, bring the suntan oil, oh wow. <laughs> I have to tell you, I lived in the capital city of Malé, which is one of the most densely populated cities in the world. It's about you know one square mile of land that has 100,000 people on it. Hmm. And they are 100% practicing Sunni Muslim. You cannot be a Maldivian unless you are a practicing Sufi Muslim. So uh, I did have some uh, members of my team that uh, wanted to know if it would be okay to witness for Jesus Christ while they were over there teaching. That was not a good thing for them to do. So we taught by our example and we learned that our Muslim friends um, embraced us as people of the book and we found a lot of common ground while we were teaching them how to cover their country's first democratic presidential election. And uh, I went back a total of six times. And uh, each time teaching a new batch of eager young reporters, photographers, news anchors. And over time, those people rose to become the leading television personalities in the country. Wow, six times to the Maldives. Is it Maldives or Maldives? Maldives. Maldives, very good. I've heard that the beaches are some of the best in the entire world. Once or twice, they rewarded me with a day trip ah, out to a resort. There you go. But uh, no, I was, I was there and they, they allowed me to put together an amazing team. Um, as you know, Craig, this is a team sport. The business of communicating through mass media is, is definitely a team sport. And so going into television Maldives, and we also coached radio Maldives, 
we had to bring everybody in to work as members of the team. And, and it was challenging. I mean, we had one guy whose job it was to shoot the president who had been the dictator of the country for decades, to only shoot him from his good side. Mm -hmm. And the lead story on the news every night was president. Well, now for the first time, there's an opposition to the president. Maybe we should cover that. Oh, no, 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 the lead story must be president. So we had a lot of educating to do, not only of the people in front of the camera, but also the people behind the camera. And then they felt like it was too stressful for the same person to anchor the news every day. So they literally passed it around. They'd say, okay, Craig, you anchor the news tonight and we'll get some guy off the street to do it tomorrow and Terry can do it Thursday. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, no consistent. There's no consistency. There's no consistency. And there was also like not a lot of talent up there. Um, the job of journalist in a society like that, that doesn't have free speech is such low status because all you're doing is mouthing the propaganda from the government. The, uh, the product at the time was described to me by, by one of the government officials who hired me as children reading propaganda. And, and that's what it was. The only people that wanted to be uh, announcers on TV Maldives were um, teenagers with basically a 10th grade education. Hmm. The, the quote unquote smarter, more educated people would leave the country and go off to university. So I, I had to work with the students that I had. And they had to learn everything about um, free and independent media, fair and balanced coverage, um, covering the opposition as well as the incumbent administration. And it, it was just a huge learning curve. This, these were all things that they had no concept of because of the country, the sheltered, uh, closed off country that they, they uh, were born and raised in, right? And fortunately for me, they did two newscasts. They, the entire country was bilingual in English and Divehi, which is the, the island language. So every day they did a newscast in English, which made it possible for me to understand what was going on in the Devehi newscast. But I had to learn a few phrases in Devehi that were really important. And uh, one of my favorite ones was, um, oh, oh, it's been so long since I did it. Anyway, I learned how to say, put the best video first because uh, you know, they, they would do these stories where the president would walk in and he would shake hands for 15 minutes and, and you just kind of lose interest before they got to the point. I go, no, no, you got to put the money shot right up at the top and get to the point. And it, seriously, it was, it was just starting from scratch and it was the most exciting project. So as you know, teaching overseas, it's, it's, always, um, it's always an adventure to go into a different culture and teach some of the things we take for granted in the United States and in North America in general, and then adapt it to the cultural context that you're teaching in. Not all of it is gonna transfer. Wonderful, great conversation with Terry Anzer. We hope that you join us in the next episode where we will learn more about her international experience and pick up some tips and tactics as we go. Hope you join us. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org.
Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.